Who watched like way too much football the past couple weeks? I don't know, I watched most of the bowl games that I could sit and watch in front. My wife was like, seriously, there's more football on? Like, how is this a thing? I said, it's not even done yet. It's not done. There's more to watch. I um, was a little bit disappointed. Um, Iowa State did not pull off the win, neither did Iowa, and that's a major bummer. But um, still fun games to watch. One of the most popular football coaches ever was uh, Vince Lombardi. Even if you're not a Packers fan, uh, most people still respect him um, beyond that. Um, but he was a fanatic about the fundamentals. He, um, those who played under his leadership, they often spoke of how intense he was, his drive and his endless enthusiasm for the guts of the game. He really liked how it all worked, all the way down to little techniques that would make them one step better than everybody else. And time and time again, he would come back to basic techniques of blocking, of tackling, of throwing, catching, running. And one occasion, his team, the Packers, lost to an inferior squad. Um, it was bad enough just to lose in general, but to this team was just inexcusable. And Coach Lombardi called a practice the very next morning. The men sat silently, knowing that they were probably in big trouble, that they should have won that game, and they didn't look like the team of champions that they had become. And they didn't know what to expect from this coach, the guy they feared the most, and gritting his teeth and staring holes into one athlete after another. He says, all right, looks like we need to go back to the basics this morning. And he grabs a football, and he held it really high above them all so they could all see it and said, gentlemen, this is a football. Right, that's crazy, right? Like, they're professional athletes. I'm sure they knew what a football was, right? But under Vince Lombardi's coaching, he took them to um, a one in 10 season to three straight and five total National Football League, League championships within seven years, in addition winning the first two Super Bowls. Vince Lombardi is a very quotable person. There's probably many things you've heard him say that you didn't even know was from him. But one thing he said is, we run to win, not just to be in the race. The Apostle Paul from the Bible said something really similar about our Christian walk in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. We're going into our new series, um, kicking off a year called First Things First. And we're going back to some of the basics of being a Christian, just really simple, stripped back, kind of this is a football type of thing. And so you might go, I know these things, but I want you to be open in here because every great coach, every great person who's, who's got to being you know, the, the best in whatever field they're in is because they went back to the basics of what they are, the field they are in and they learned them and made them perfect to where they became just habits that just became part of their life. Just like Paul said in this, he says, they are athletes disciplined in their training. And so I run with purpose in every step. This series is about what, what purposeful things are you setting in place for this year so that these basics of Christianity just start to happen out of you and that everything you do is in purpose of, of keeping the first things first this year. So don't check out on me just because you've heard this before, right? There's going to be those moments where you're like, I know what a football is type of feel, okay? And I get that, um, but 
let this be a reminder. Let it be a refresher for you, and let it be what drives you to win the race um, that is set out before us this year. So how many of you guys would consider yourselves a picky eater? Um, I, I grew up very picky um, because my parents are very picky people, and they taught me that that's how you eat. Um, and... Uh, they were the people that at the restaurant you always see taking their food back or like, hey, this wasn't made right and sending it back to get fixed, which I've heard doesn't fix things. It actually comes back way worse. Uh, so because of that, I've learned to just eat what came before me. And I used, like I said, I used to be really picky, but then I got saved. And um, I, I enjoy food certain ways, definitely. But I'll pretty much eat anything, um, even though I have my preferences, like raising canes, chicken, chevin. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, hey, yeah. Sorry. Can't teach you about some culture today. Um, but uh, but because of that, because of being raised picky, I still have like these preferences and things that I think is the best part of the meal. And I like to leave those things for like the last thing that I eat because I want to leave the best flavor on my mouth. Does anybody else like that? Do you even consider it or do you just like food in mouth? I don't, I don't care. I, my, I have a friend who every chip he pulls out, he looks to see which side has more flavor on it, like the seasoning, to put flavor side down in his mouth, okay? Um, I'm not quite that crazy. There's some really crazy people out there, some bad people that need saved. But, um, but with God, he's the best that we will ever have. And I think that we, you know, we kind of were raised with this society of like, you save the best for last. You, know, you get through all of the things that you don't really want to deal with to go to the best thing um, at the very end. So you're left with that. But we should be turning to him first. Everything is better with God. I think that, you know, our culture has taught us to, to put everything else first and try and figure it out on our own. Our culture says that we have so much entertainment that we can kind of mindlessly be I guess, ignore what's going on around us and find things that make us happy for, for a time. And then we could move to the next thing that tries to make things better. And we could find another thing that makes it better. And then we finally go, none of these things are fulfilling me. Oh yeah, God, I remember that. I go to church every week and maybe I should turn to him. And we subconsciously put the best for last, but we need to make him first. Today, God is our first first things first that we'll talk about. So to really start off the year, um, we need to get God back into that first position of our lives. And the very first of the Ten Commandments is Exodus 23, and it says, you must not have any other God but me. What does it really mean to have no other God but him? And it's that I turn to him alone for everything that I need in my life. He needs to be number one. Jesus reiterated this when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And in Matthew 22, 37, he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So we're gonna look at those three things and say, okay, where in my life do I need to get God back into first place? And so with all your heart is really talking about the emotional part of us. To love God with your emotions is to fall in love with him, Right? I know, like, for some guys in here, like, mm, yeah, no, that's not for me. I don't have emotions. Um, that's a lie, because most of you guys watch sports, and I can guarantee you don't sit there quietly. 
right? And it's there. It's that kind of same emotion that you should fall in love with God in that same, like, I just desire to be with him and be a part of what he's up to. Right? That's what love is all about. It's why Valentine's Day exists and, and what it's supposed to be about, this, this falling in love, the feels of a person that you love loving you back, the way your heart flutters when they say, I love you, when they touch your hand, when they fart around you, you know, the, when they hug you, when they whisper nice things into your ear, like, you smell different when you're awake. And, uh, <laughs> you know, just those times that you get to spend one-on-one with each other. To love God with all your heart means to make a commitment that God is here to satisfy your emotional needs. Psalm 16.5 says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. God is what satisfies us. When we are emotionally lacking something, we need to try and find it in God and not in someone else. This is hard for those people who are in relationships, even marriages, because it's easy to turn to each other and say, why aren't you satisfying me? If you just did these things, I'd be more satisfied in our life and stuff. But the problem is they will never satisfy you because there's a spot that only God can satisfy. You know, we, we find these relationships with each other and we go, hey, this, this feels right and it definitely satisfies some of what I'm looking for in this moment. But God is the only one who can be your full portion. Have you ever ate something and you're like, that was good, but... Man, I didn't, it didn't hit the spot. It didn't, didn't fill me right. Or like you paid way too much for a meal and it came out and it was like five little things and you walked away like, yeah, I mean, it's good, but that, that left me hungry still. It wasn't worth it. That's kind of worldly life that like it can only satisfy in those little bits of ways. See, love with God is kind of different than other things because to understand and to really love God with all of our heart we need to understand how God loves us. In 1 John 4, 19, it says, we love because he first loved us. But in the end, and it's not that weird. Have you ever seen a couple where one of them is like an 11 out of 10 and the other person, let's just say they have a good personality, um, you know, and you're like, I don't understand how this relationship works, you know, like what's going on here? But the reason it works is because no one will love you better than someone who feels like they don't deserve you. And so when we begin to have just a little understanding of how the creator of the universe loves us, that the king of all kings desires to be with us so much so that that he gave the most important thing up so that we could have a relationship, it's really hard to not return love back to him in some sort of extravagant way. I think this is often one of the hardest areas to love God because we have to accept that God loves us a lot. And often we can't even accept us, let alone love us. And so we have a hard time believing that God does as well. But just like the song we sang today, the the realest love of God, right? I, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But still God gives me everything. But still God loves me so in actions, loving God with all your heart in like in an outward way is allowing our love for him to show through in our lives. It's that love that causes us to maybe cry during worship or raise our hands or sometimes you're just so excited that, that you jump or you, something just wants to burst out of you. It's that love that says, you know, I just need to tell somebody about what God is doing in my life. That's what causes you on a bad day to go home and get into your Bible 
or spend some time in worship just because you want to be held again by God. You just want to be loved. You know, just like in, in regular life, you have a bad day and you're like, I just, I just need to call my friend. I just need to talk to my best friend and, or somebody that I know cares about me. It also could come out in the way of like, think about cheering on your, your favorite sports team. Or when your friend celebrates something big and you want to celebrate with them and before you know it, you're shouting and jumping and you're on your feet. Like that's heart. With all your soul. Now this soul comes alive again when the spirit of God comes into us. When we say, okay, Jesus, I want to believe in you. And this is to love God spiritually. So your soul takes work. Your soul is all the natural stuff inside of you, the raw you. So the soul is like, what can cause you to sin or to follow God in that kind of subconscious basics kind of way. And before you come to God, it is fully flesh, which is like a biblical word for just not Christian. It desire, its desires are selfish. It basically wants to do what's good for itself. This is where your passions, your dreams, your personality, and all of that lives. You know, the subconscious things that drive your life. And when you come to God, some things in your soul will start to clash with the things that God wants you to do because your life has been all about you and now all of a sudden it's trying to be about God. This is why fasting, especially fasting food, is an important thing. Not fast food, fasting food. Um, <laughs> because it shows your soul that God is more important than its basic needs and its immediate needs. So to love God with all your soul first means that we need to get it to love God. And this comes through spiritual practices such as reading your Bible, praying, worshiping, meeting with other believers, and serving. And we'll be talking more about these things next week. But when we do those things, it, it brings your soul closer to things of God. If you think of it like a dog, right? At least my dog, when we're eating as a family, it's going to hang out by the person that feeds it the most, right? It's not like... It's not going to sit by Victoria because Victoria doesn't care. She's not giving, she's yelling at her and making her go to the other room, right? But if she sits by me, we might be sharing the same piece of spaghetti, you know, at the same time. But, um, and that's kind of our soul. On one side, the world is feeding into your soul. And the other side, you could be feeding it spiritually and it's going to start to side with whoever is giving it more. And so the more we can get into these spiritual practices, the closer our soul is going to be to just naturally going after the things of God and vice versa. To love God with your soul is to love him with good habits that will develop godly character. And those habits will come easy if you are in love with God in your heart. Just like talking with a friend that you love, you want to be around them. It's not a hard habit to begin with. You're like, hey, I like you. We should hang out. You know, that's just a natural thing that happens. So we move on to with all your strength. Jesus quotes um, this verse, and he, when he quotes it, he says um, the word might. But in Deuteronomy, where he's quoting the commandment from, it uses the word strength. And we go back to the original language. It's because it's just kind of talking about the, the physicalness of a person. And so it's kind of to love God with knowledge and in action. As your soul comes closer to God through, um, through those habits, your mind and body will begin to follow suit. See, loving God with our strength means serving others, laying our lives down for others, finding a place for us to work for God. All right, so get plugged in, serving his church. We have lots of places you guys can help here um, with kids ministry or the tech team or greeting people. And uh, 
maybe areas that you're saying, ah, I see a need that I could be filling. Um, you can sign up at the resource center. Shameless plug right there. Um, <laughs> but also this means serving your community, right? Shoveling one extra sidewalk, right? Even though it's blistering cold outside. And you know, uh, maybe you have the nicest snowblower on the block and you can show it off to everybody by doing their sidewalks. Uh, Maybe it means going and feeding the homeless or filling a pantry or cleaning up garbage of the park by your house or caring for that elderly person on your block. Loving God in our mind means just having thoughts about him, keeping him first and foremost in our thoughts. Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven not the things of earth. In Philippians 4, 8, it says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Our minds need to be set on God and his things first. Often we we have something going on and we go, I don't know, I've I probably spend too much time in my mind, you know, thinking about stuff and wondering how situations should have played out or how they will play out or dreaming about things of the future. But God's not always first when I start to think about those things. Is this what God wants or how would God handle this? Or, or what would God want me to be doing right now? Romans 12:1 says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he finds acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So what is truly the way to worship God? It says to live a life of sacrifice for him, to give your body to God and say, okay, God, I'm here to work and to do what you have for me and then let it transform into the image of God. And away from the world by changing the way we think. This really comes down to obedience. Yes. 1 John 5, 2 3 says, we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. And loving God means keeping his commandments, but his commandments are not burdensome. Obeying God and thinking about the things of God is how we love him physically. And the greatest commandment was to love God and to love others. And that's what it comes down to. If we can keep those things on our forefront of our minds and and with our actions, when we have time, you know, like I said, in a few weeks, we're going to talk about self-care and how it plays into this first things first as well. But first, think about how are you serving God with your life? And I believe these things happen in this, reason for, uh, in this order for a reason, heart and then soul and then our strength. Because first, it takes falling in love with God because he first loved us. Then we feed our souls to love God because we've fallen in love. We're like, all right, this is worth it. This is gonna take some work. This is where that discipline that Paul talked about comes in. I'm, I'm gonna have to start setting up these habits and, and doing the things that God wants me to do so that my soul stays closer to the God side and farther away from the world side. And then when our soul's over there, our minds and bodies will follow suit. And I think this cycle kind of continues forever. It's not something you just finally get to the minds and body strength part of it, and you're like, all right, I'm done, I've, I've made it. Because 
reading your Bible and serving others will often cause you to find something new about God or experience God in a new way that you fall in love with him in a different way, which then will start this whole cycle over and over again. And if it's not starting over and over again, then you probably aren't really walking with God anymore. When we are doing these things actively and correctly, we're able to keep God number one. And sometimes we run into issues with this. Right? Our, our hearts fall more in love with other people or other dreams in our lives where all we want to do is spend time with them or doing whatever this new passion is. Right? This is a, a, a fault of mine as I get really excited about something new or something I um, discovered and I just like dive deep into that hole and that's like all I can think about, all I can dream about. I literally spent way too much time researching cryptocurrency this past like week or so and I literally dreamt about cryptocurrency for two days straight. Like every time I went to sleep, it was like all that was on my mind and I, like, I couldn't reorient. I ended up like, okay, I put that away. I got to finish this book. It'll kind of get me back into a better mindset. Um, but this is something that's really easy. It just sneaks in. It's like, that's not a bad thing. God's not upset because I'm looking at cryptocurrency or something. Um, it's that it's like no longer is he the focus of my life. And it just slipped in. And honestly, it was because I didn't wake up in the morning and read my Bible. I checked the cryptocurrency markets. You know, it was like, I'm losing a lot of money. This is not great. Um, But, um, right? (laughs) Jesus bless Bitcoin. Um, No, uh, but this is, can even become an issue with our best friends or with our spouses. It's, It's, if we're trying to put those relationships number one, then God's not number one. It's not that you just completely ignore them. Husbands, wives, don't hear me on that. Like, that's not what I'm saying. Love them. Love them to the best of your ability. But keep God number one. Right? Don't find your satisfaction in them. Find it in God. And I can guarantee that it's better than anything that they can do. And in our soul, we need to start living for ourselves. Um, we start living for ourselves and less for God when we start to walk away. Self-care is important. Like I said, we're going to talk about that. But real self-care starts with keeping God number one because he cares for us more than we can. And when we put him first, his promises to us in Matthew 6, that we seek his kingdom first, that he will take care of all of the rest of our lives. You know, if somebody made that kind of promise to me, I can guarantee that I'm doing that first because that's the first self-care. Like somebody else is going to care for me, I'd rather have that, right? You know, when I'm sick and I'm late, I don't want to take care of me. I want somebody else to. And, and God promises that. And sometimes we put our physical efforts towards jobs or hobbies, like I said, and we don't leave room and time to serve God. And then he starts to fall from first place. And when those, those things happen, those things that fill our time, they become the new gods in our lives. Just like that verse at the very beginning of the first Ten Commandments says, you should not have another God. And we think of idols, we think of Buddha, we think of all these other things out there. And we're like, well, I'm not worshiping any of those things. And that, that's not necessarily what it was talking about, is what are you putting before God? What, what has become more important in your life? It feels like this should be a pretty easy thing. But in our lives, we just, I think, tend, we tend to forget why he was there in the first place. In the book of Revelations, the last book of the Bible, um, in chapter two, there is a letter from God to the church of Ephesus. And I think it's a good warning and a reminder to us um, and is why this letter exists. And we're gonna look at verses two through five. It says, I know all the things you do and I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know that you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but not, and you have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. 
right? All these things sound great. They were doing a good job being the Christians that God wanted them to be, right? They're, they're not tolerating evil. They're, you know, testing the truth and finding out what's true. They're patiently suffering. Like, they're, they're enduring the hardship. But the letter continues in verse 4, and it says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. So often, even in church, we get caught up in doing all the right things that we've just forgotten why we do them. And we're not really in love with the God who loves us and provided this family for us. And that was his complaint. He's like, "Ah, great job doing all the good things. I see that. I see that you're doing the good things. But remember when it was just you and me? Remember when we just hung out and you, you loved me? And you wanted to come and be with me and read more about me and spend time with me? Have you ever had a relationship that faded? Maybe it was a marriage, maybe dating relationship or a friendship. You know, and it felt like, like ah, we just ended because, you know, the, the sparks weren't there anymore. That, those feelings I used to have, that's just not, not there. And that's what God's saying to this church. Hey, remember how you used to love me? Why did you leave that behind? That's why it's so important to love God with heart and soul and with our strength. If everybody could just close their eyes for a second. If the worship team wants to come back up. Um, I want you guys to think back to that moment you first gave your life to God. Maybe there was a, a major amount of relief that you felt that you have another chance at life that all your mistakes were being washed away and the love that you felt knowing someone cared about you so much that they, were, they willingly gave up their life for you, that there was nothing that they would keep away from you and that they came to break your chains that, that hold you back in life. Maybe remember how you worshiped that day. Remember the tears that might have been shed or the joy you felt in your heart or how overwhelmed you were by this experience. Imagine Jesus with a smile on his face as you ran to him and as he ran to you wrapping his arms around you. That first love is what God wants us to have at all times. He wants us to be giddy for him, have you know, butterflies in our stomach when we come into his presence or the way that he speaks to you and that just be reminded of who he is. I want you to listen to the story from Luke chapter seven. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to come have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee, this religious person who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts, Simon, He said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 to another. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Whom do you suppose loved him more after that? I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. 
You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head. She has anointed my feet with a rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who has forgiven little shows only little love. And sometimes we forget just what Jesus has really done for us. We start to count up all the things that we've done for Jesus and we compare them to the things that we've expected him to do for us. And we forget all the things that we've done that separated us from God and how Jesus looked past all those things to die for us, to love us so much. To those who have been forgiven much, we should love much. That woman, that woman dumped expensive perfume, probably worth more than a year plus of her salary, on Jesus' feet. Just like we spend our money on food or things that we need, that's what she was doing with God. It was worth everything to her to dump it at his feet because he had saved her from everything. God is our portion. He should be the first thing we desire and the only thing that satisfies. He should remain our first love. And he is worth it all. Maybe today you came in feeling empty. You know, these previous years just seemed to take everything out of you and leave you dry. Maybe you've been searching to be satisfied in different places and you still don't feel satisfied. It's time to turn to God. Psalm 145, it says that he opens his hand and he satisfies the desires of every living thing. And he wants to do that in your life today. We're gonna sing a song and I want you to spend that time returning God to your number one. And maybe it's just putting him number one for the first time in your life. Letting him wash over you, reminding, reminding you of the love he has for you, that reckless love. so that you can love him back. As we sing, just work on loving him heart and soul and strength. The song is called Nothing Else. Just mean nothing else but God will do for me. It's all I number one. He's everything I need in my life. So feel free to stand, to sit, to kneel, to come forward to the altar, whatever you need to do to get back into that attitude of being head over heels in love with God. So let's start things off right this year. First things first.
ask that you would just bring us back to those moments of like our, our first love, passion, and desire to keep you first in our lives. God, I pray that this week that you would just remind us of how much you love us, Lord. Over and over again, would you just pour out those reminders of your love for us, those things that you've forgiven us from, those things that, that we used to do that you've brought us so far from, those chains you've broken, those, those places you've rescued us from, the darkness we used to have, God, but the light we have now. God, I pray that you would just help us to keep you first in our lives, God, as we start off this new year, God, that you would be that first desire, that first passion in our lives, God. Help us to love you with all of our heart, to fall in love with you again, to, to do those spiritual habits, God, that we're going to talk more about next week, but to start desiring you more and doing what we know now, God, so that our soul turns to you first, that that inner part of us is disciplined to go after you, Lord. God, and I pray that because of that, then our bodies and our minds would serve you. God, would our minds be focused on you? Would we put our physical bodies to work for you, for your kingdom, just serving those people around us, Lord? That everything we would do would be for your glory, God. Even the menial tasks at our work, Lord. Lord, give us you and nothing else, Lord. Let us find our satisfaction in you. We love you so much. We thank you for the love you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, before you guys go, before I dismiss. Um, I want to let you know that next Sunday we're going to start a 21-day fast as a church um, that will end on the 29th, and we're going to end with a worship night. We'll probably do like a soup dinner type thing. But the main goal of that is this, that as a church, we want to get God back to number one in our lives. And for those of you who have never fasted, you're like, I don't even know what that means. Basically, it's the idea of giving up something physically, something that we need or we think we need, and replacing it with more time with Jesus. Usually fasting involves food, giving up a meal, giving up all your meals, um, giving up a specific food type. Um, for those 21 days, you will survive. Um, i just let you know. Some of you are like, yeah, right. Um, you know, and if you remember that dog illustration we talked about earlier, 
if you're not feeding the dog from the worldly side, it's going to cling to the spiritual side, and it's just kind of that gets your, your soul kind of in the right place to encounter God more. Fasting does not cause God to love you more. He's not like, yeah, give that up. Now I love you more. You know, that's, that's not who he is. All right, um, that's impossible. God loves you 100% with 100% he has all the time, always. But what happens is it allows you to usually find him more or feel him more. If you think about it like a faucet and you have both hot and cold water on, like at full blast off both of them, the water feels warm, but it's not that like 100% of the hot is there, but you just can't feel it because 100% of the cold is there. But if you turn off the cold, it, you, you experience the heat all of a sudden. That's what fasting does in your, your life. When you turn off that other side, all of a sudden it's just, you're feeling God with more intensity um, because you're like, hey, this is all I have. Um, it kind of gets our soul back to where you're supposed to be. It's kind of like a spiritual version of those like cleansing diets to reset your body. Um, and so that, that's why we do these things. And so we're going to start it next Sunday. Um, I'm going to send out some information this week um, just so you have an idea. And then we'll hand out some cards um, just to kind of help you walk through your fast. So I have some um, basic instructions on there and some things to pray about and stuff during this time. Um, but I would encourage you to at least decide to fast one meal a day um, and replace that time with reading your Bible or worship or prayer. Um, if you can't give up food because maybe, you know, you have a sickness or something that you need to have medicine with or those type of things. Um, maybe give up TV or Facebook or um, something like that. Uh, yeah, so that might be a better option for everybody anyways. Um, right, and if you're really brave, do both because last year I took Facebook off my phone and uh, the app because I was like, it was something that I was like, ah, I don't know, I want to be off of it and um, well, thank you, Jen. And uh, I haven't put Facebook back on my phone because of that. And um, because it's just like, wow, life is a lot better with that not always be notifying me. So, um, but anyways, uh, just, I'm giving you a heads up. You got a week to gorge yourself. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't do that either. But, um, and then we'll end our fast together with a night of worship and prayer. And um, we'll do like a potluck soup dinner after that. So we'll talk about that more as it comes. Um, I'm really excited to see what God is going to do as this year um, there's a lot of empty seats this morning. We have, like I said, there's a lot of people out with sickness or the weather and holidays. So um, if you know somebody who's not here, reach out to them this week and just say, hey, we missed you. All right? No, we're not guilting people for not coming to church. We don't believe in that, but we just, they're our family. And if my family doesn't show up to our family things, I'm like, hey, I really want to spend that time with you and I want them to know that I love them and I miss them. So um, please reach out to them. And um, like I said, next week, we're going to discuss those different practical things to help keep God first and in order um, in our lives. So join us next week. Right. Go and love God first. <laughs>